Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Each season of motherhood comes with its own gifts and challenges, and I am so glad to be able today to be talking about how we can create a new vision in motherhood. And I'll be having this conversation with Greta Eskridge. She is a mama to four kids, ages 10 to 17. Greta has been married for 23 years, and she is passionate about her family. She has a heart for adventure. She took an unexpected turn in life as a mama warrior to join the fight in fighting pornography for our families. And she has just released her second book. I'm so excited to share with you today. And if you did not get to hear Greta with me in the past, you can go back to episode 58, where we talked specifically about protecting your children from pornography, and episode 40, where we talked about creating a healthy sexual culture in your home. Now, those are ones you'll want to listen to on your own, not with your kiddos, but today's fine to listen with them within earshot. And you can share this with your mom friends too, that these are conversations that I believe every mom should listen to and be having conversations with your friends about, regardless of the ages of your children. So listen to those, share them with your friends. I know you're going to want to follow Greta. You can find her on Instagram at ma and pa modern, or you can find her website, gretaeskridge.com. And we are going to talk a little bit about her books and you will uh, be able to find those in the show notes. So look there for those. And Greta, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us again. Hi, thanks for having me. I love talking with you. I can't wait for um, what we're going to cover today. Yeah, this is so special. I've been watching on your Instagram as you've been sharing about the specialness of having relationships with teenagers. And it caused me to think about how moms go into motherhood so often with babies and people say, oh, they're so beautiful. They're so precious. Just wait till they're two. It's going to be terrible. And, or your two-year-old does something that a two-year-old should do, you know, having big feelings or testing a boundary and someone's so quick to say, oh, those terrible twos. And, you know, that's always really struck a wrong accord with me because I think that they are terrific twos and don't get me wrong. They can be tiring twos sometimes also, and it can be exhausting, but exhausting and tiring is not bad. That can still be a gift. And I see the same thing when people say, oh, just wait till they're a teenager. And as I am just on the brink of stepping into that this fall, you know, I adore my 12-year-old. And I look forward to what our life is going to be together in his teen years. So thank you so much for opening up this topic of conversation with moms. And I'd love to hear what started this conversation for you. Well, I actually, it's similar to what you just described. Um, It started when my kids were all really little. And So often I would be at the grocery store and be walking around with my little line of ducklings behind me and people would smile and, 
you know, make a comment about how cute they were. And then inevitably the conversation would be, oh, but just wait till they're teens. And Mm. I would feel so frustrated because I thought, well, I really love them right now. Why does it have to be this narrative that I'm being told that I won't like them anymore when they become teenagers? Why does this shift have to happen? Why is it so expected? Because it wasn't just occasionally, like it was regularly being told to me. And so I decided at that point um, with, you know, five, three and a one-year-old, like I'm going to rewrite our story. That doesn't have to be our story. I'm going to change the narrative and um, began to intentionally invest in my kids at that age with the prayer that I would be creating a culture in our family that there wasn't distance and irritation and everybody hiding behind the slam doors when we reach teenage years. And um, yeah, it takes work and it takes intention and thought and planning. Um, But it, it also takes shifting your vision to say, oh, that's not going to be our story. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Man, that's so true. My my mom experienced a very similar story uh, when she had me and I was little tiny and she was at church, which is sad that the narrative honestly is not different right? that much in church. And she was in church and she heard some ladies talking just so awfully about their children and how awful they were and worn out they were and about their teenagers. And my mom was so sad listening to this and her face, you know, when you realize your face is saying what you're feeling without realizing it, (laughs) I'm sure her face must have been telling the story of what her heart was thinking as she had her precious little first baby. And she's listening to these moms, just, just so sad. And this older woman leaned over her shoulder and whispered in her ear, it doesn't have to be that way. I love that. Me too. And And it changed it for her. Same thing. It set this vision. I mean, she remembers it still that -hmm. she thought it doesn't have to be that way. And I love that this is a space and that you've created a space to make that, that whispering voice to tell mamas who are treasuring and looking to their, into the eyes of their sweet ones when they're still, you know, sticky from peanut butter and jelly to know it doesn't have to get lost. It still can be beautiful and precious. And my mom used to say to me, because I mean, of course I still had my moments of, right. It's not, we all do. And you mentioned that it still can be hard. I think, I think we have a tendency to think hard is equals bad or not worth doing. Right. But I would argue that the hardest things are probably the most worth doing. Amen. I say that all the time, all the time. It's so true. It's so true. And I probably need to preach to myself. I tell my kids that when they say it's hard, I say, good, you can do hard things. <laughs> so maybe I need to preach that to my own heart when it's hard to tell myself, good, you can do hard things. God made you. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you think about, um, I mean, every part of parenting is, is tiring, mm-hmm. right? From the newborn stage where you're hardly sleeping to the toddler years where you're having to be consistent with training your kids and teaching them 
every single thing that they need to know to start to grow up and manage feelings and survive. And, and then all the way into teen years, when suddenly you're staying up late. I mean, just last night, our three teens at 1030, were sitting in the living room with my husband and I, and they were just full of chatter and wanted to just talk and laugh and share stories because they come alive at night. That is when they're <laughs> most just excited to talk. I mean, in the morning, they don't want to talk. They're not necessarily grumpy, but they're just like straggling in, making breakfast, just like we're tired. And so we're like, okay, um, it's 1030. Like <laughs> we're kind of ready to go to bed um, or to do our own thing. And, but they wanted to connect. So there's mm-hmm. tiring moments through all of parenting, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, it's good to, to settle in and to push through those those times that it's tiring because you know, it's serving a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and if we look to Jesus as our model, there were many times in his ministry when people came to him, when it was not convenient mm-hmm. or when his disciples came to him to be with him, when he was being alone yeah. with the father and he never turned people away, he yeah. always welcomed them and met them at that time. And yeah. so I try to take advantage of the different times, whether it's mornings when I think I'm going to have a quiet time alone with the Lord. And then I hear the little pitter patter of feet coming down the hall and I realize, oh, I'm having time to look the Lord with you. (laughs) This is different than I thought my plan was going to be. Um, Or I'm kind of experiencing both right now because my baby wakes me up in the morning and then my 12 year old wants to talk at 10 when everyone's asleep. But, but God is so faithful that we're okay. I'm not dying from the tiredness, you know, and I know it's not going to be forever and I never regret it. I never regret those conversations. And even the ones that don't seem meaningful per se, Mm -hmm. I think I see it almost like a bank that each conversation about the Lego cities that are being built or about Stardew Valley or about a recording that was made or about this, this long talk with, you know, funny thing that was happening with a friend, whatever the topic is that's about just life mm-hmm. is basically like storing up in a bank for the bigger conversations. Because then when we sit down and say, Hey, what about whatever the topic is, mm-hmm. we have this investment already made that there's a trust and a relationship built that can take us to that place. So that starts when they're two. It doesn't yeah. begin when they're 13. Exactly. Yeah, we we definitely need to have a long-term vision when we're parenting. And when we're in the midst of the little years, it's very easy to be fully absorbed in that because it is all-consuming. But if we can think, well, what can I do now? How can I um, invest in connection and relationship with my kids now so that um, I've created uh, those for, uh, for the future. So those mm-hmm. connections and that culture of relationship and connectedness is going to last into the teen years and into the adult years, because we don't want to sever connection with our kids ever. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still close to my parents. I have a good relationship with my parents, just like it sounds like mm-hmm. you do because those um, investments in our relationship were made from the time I was little through my teen years. And now even into my adult years, they're still investing in me. And that motivates me to invest in my kids. 
Yes. Oh, amen to all of that. I agree completely. Okay. So let's talk about the transition because do have you seen, you've transitioned into it more than I have. <laughs> have you seen that there is a change in relationship or a transition in the way you are in relationship or the way you mother from those middle years into the teen years? Yes, there is. There are definitely transitions, definitely changes. Um, I think, you know, the first transition is they go through puberty. And so there's like, (laughs) they're experiencing physical and emotional changes. And um, I remember with my first going through puberty, it was like, he is the most even keeled, calm, um, just chill, easiest child in the world. Like if I would have only had him, I would have been so proud of myself as a mom. So the Lord knew to send me three more that would humble me. (laughs) But when he went through puberty, it was like, all of a sudden he became very emotional and it was very different. And I was like, oh my gosh, who are you right now? Like, why are you (laughs) upset about things that have never upset you in your life? Um, and, and so it was a shift for him because he was like, whoa, who am I now? And I'm like, who are you now? Um, but because we had, um, established a relationship of being able to talk about things. It was like, Hey, this is what's going on with you. This is why you're feeling this way. How can I support you in it? And, and then that helped with each other kid that I've had three now gone through puberty and, and their experiences have been different, but I've been able to say, here's what you're experiencing. You've seen it with me. Cause we also talk about my, my hormones and mm-hmm. how they make me um, act crazy. Um, and here, you know how to support me when I'm experiencing those things. How can I support you? And to, so first of all, that just the physical and emotional change that is happening, you have to address it. You have to pull it out in the open, not pretend it's not happening, but also I think not shame them or not act like, um, oh gosh, they're just hormonal. They're just so it's puberty. Like they're just going to be brats right now. They're just going to be impossible right now. Like what if. I always think, how do I want to be treated when I'm struggling with my hormones? Um, I have struggled with hormone imbalance and it is really difficult. And I'm a grown woman who's had years to to practice how to sort through that. Um, They have a lot less practice. How can I be compassionate? How can I be caring? How can I give them tools to deal with that? Um, So that's the first big change that I experience and they experience Mm -hmm. as they grow up. And then as far as the relationship between us that changes, what I have noticed as they've gotten older is um, there is still the, the parent child relationship, but there's also more of a easygoing um, opportunity to laugh together, to joke together. They understand my sarcastic sense of humor and, (laughs) There's, an, there's a more of a, a place for that to happen and for us to joke back and forth and then not to get out of hand and to disrespect like when they're younger and they don't get that. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity to um, break down the walls a little bit and there's uh, more space for some lighthearted togetherness, which is one of my favorite parts of parenting teens. Mm. One of the things I really like about getting close to this age is that I remember more what it was like feeling that age. 
Yes. I don't remember. I have a very bad memory. It's kind of strange. I remember things from pictures, you know, and videos. And I remember a lot of good feelings, but mm-hmm. I'm not the kind who remembers the specific details of mm-hmm. every birthday party, you know? Um, but I do remember some very specifics of being 12 mm-hmm. and being 13 and remembering the things that are hard. And I think when the things are hard with them, for me to be able to go back and think, how did it feel? How did I feel in that situation? It gives me a completely different level of grace than I have if I'm just taking it at face value. Right. What's going on? Yeah. I remember my sweet, my sweet mom. I was a really good kid. Um, I mean, strong, strong willed. Yeah. But not extremely difficult, strong willed. Mm -hmm. And when I hit about 12, my mom had a one-year-old. So I was the oldest of four. And so she had a one-year-old too. And I started getting super testy, like the same way a three-year-old does Mm -hmm. where they just start testing boundaries that you think, what are you doing? Little person, Mm -hmm. you've always known this is our rule. Why are you doing this? And nothing really bad, just annoying. Like (laughs) I would purposefully do my hair in ways that would annoy my mom and wear big baggy shirts that I knew this was not even really what I liked, but I just wore them because it was a choice I could make to test out. See what's my mom going to do. And she told my grandma once, I swear Krista is doing things purposefully just to bug me. And my grandma was like, Oh, not Krista. She would never (laughs) caught it. Thank goodness for grandmas who like believe in us, you know, Um, but my mom was right. I absolutely was doing things just to annoy her. And there were times that I remember her asking me, you know, you can choose Krista. We can be like all the other moms and teenagers and we can not like each other and treat each other like that. Or we can be friends, Mm -hmm. but you, you're really going to be the one to decide that. So what do you want? Mm -hmm. And I hated it because every time, every time it was so like rational and grounded when I was feeling completely irrational and completely ungrounded. And it just like brought me back down to that place of real life and empowered me to say, "Ugh, yes, I want to be your friend, mom. (laughs) Like just not right now. (laughs) Give me five Mm -hmm. minutes and I'll want to be your friend again. Yeah. But it was, it was a great way, I think, to address those moments. Yeah. I, that is a great way just to, like you said, to make it just real rational. And that's the big, that's one of the biggest things that I have found, um, is to not react to their emotions with my emotions. Um, and, and it's hard sometimes because I, I want to, um, I want to respond just as emotionally as they're acting to me, but if again, if I can be like your mom and to be rational and, and to think to myself, well, this is why they're feeling these things Mm -hmm. and, um, just hug them and say, I know you're not ready to talk right now. Um, why don't you go and, you know, have a cup of tea, take a hot bath, Mm -hmm. go for a run, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. go read for yours by yourself for a little while. You need some space and not in, again, like not in that door slamming way, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I don't want to talk to you slam, but just being the guy to say, you know, you need some space right now because I need space sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And to just understand that that's not a bad thing. That's a moment to collect yourself, 
you collect yourself, I'll collect myself, and then we'll come back together. Um, but to, to not respond to their emotions with my big emotions is, is challenging. But um, every time I have the self-control to do it, the, the results are so much better. And I love what you said, something else. I'm going back to what you said about um, remembering what it's like to be a teen. Um, and I think that that's important for every stage of childhood. And I think if you can start practicing that when your kids are little, it's and just getting in that mindset. It's so helpful. And it's harder to do, like you said, when they're younger. One of my favorite books for kids that helps me do that is the Ramona Quimby series um, by Beverly Cleary, because she does such a great job. The author does an incredible job helping you remember what it's like to be a little kid. And, and a lot of times, little kids the world is confusing. They don't understand. And so you are experiencing the world of Ramona, this little girl who's six, and she does things. And you realize as you're reading the book, like the things that she does, the responses that she's um, making aren't because she's an awful child. It's just because she's confused about the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I think about that that's the way it is for our kids. And so every time I listen to or read those books, cause we have them on audio as well, it reminds me, Oh, that's what it's like to be a little kid when the world is confusing. And then to remember myself, Oh, this is what it was like to be a teen. I'm going to remember how I felt and respond accordingly. That's very helpful. Empathy, empathy and parenting is very, very helpful. I think it always comes back to giving space for you or for them. Like when they're mm -hmm. little, you can't give them space because like they'll die, you know, <laughs> as nice as it would be to tell the two-year-old who's like lying on the floor in a puddle of tears or anger when their whole yeah. body is tense and frustration. You, it might feel like it would be nice to step away, but you can't. But if you can pause long enough to breathe mm -hmm. in that moment, just to take a breath, it like changes the whole thing. And like, look at what's actually happening. This poor small person who feels so big, who doesn't know how to take a deep breath, who doesn't know what to do with these feelings. I like that you said you help. I think you said guide them into yeah. what choices to make. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't start when they're a teenager. It starts when they're two. Yes. yes. And you guide them into taking a deep breath and you hold them close and you remind them that we cannot bite people or things when we're angry, whatever it is. Um, and sometimes that comes with punishing too in the, in the training. But if we can pause and take a breath, the intensity of whatever that child is going through gets back to such a real place that it can actually be, we can respond instead of reacting and yeah. so much healthier. It made me think about this morning, I was reading James one and it talks about towards the end of it in James one 19 says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And Yes. I just think that's a perfect verse for this whole idea, whether we're talking about toddlers or teens, Yes, that quickness yes. and response always leads to an unhealthy place. Yeah. I, my kids and I actually have memorized that verse. And so when any of us are struggling with anger, we will say, Hey, 
man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that man, that God desires. And um, to be able to say that to each other in the moment is really helpful mm-hmm. because we were like, oh yeah, we have learned God's word. We have hidden it in our hearts and it does come as a reminder in a moment of struggle, whether that struggle is fear or anger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a great verse it, because God does want to step in and he gives us guides, like be quick to listen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> slow to become angry. Those are practical steps that we can take. The Bible is full of so many practical things to help us with our emotions mm-hmm. and the way we respond to things. Let's talk about some other practical things. So practically with a teenager, what does this look like for you of how you pursue relationships with a teen intentionally? Because obviously it's different than with a little child. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot about, it does not have to be big, uh, grandiose things. Um, occasionally, if you can fit those in, that's wonderful. But a lot of times it's just the everyday um, moments where you're inviting them in. I think that's the biggest thing for me is invitation. So um, I'm going to run to the to Costco. Who can I invite to come with me? Um, and uh, I'm going to, um, you know, I, I need, I want to read a book. Well, what are my teens reading? Which of their books can I read as well? There, so I'm going to choose their book instead of maybe my own, because then that's going to be an invitation to conversation. Um, like, Hey, oh my gosh, what part are you on me? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe that happened. Um, so just in creating moments for connection and, and in basically inviting them to connect, um, and, and I think if you have multiple kids, you can do this. For example, I'm reading a book to all three of my teens and we're to, all four of us together are having really um, valuable conversations. It helps them because some of the conversations are awkward. It's a, it's a book about, you know, um, sexuality and um, kind of growing up. And so instead of just being like, oh, well, uh, I'll just read it to my daughter and my husband will just read it to the boys. I was like, how about we all read it together? Because then you guys can sort through and sort of deflect the awkwardness um, Mm -hmm. by laughing together and uh, letting other people come up with the answers or or have comments. And so it's not all on you. So sometimes we connect together as a group. Um, but, but again, it's just, it's just little decisions, uh, who can help me make dinner tonight? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, who letting them come sit on the bed at 10 o'clock at night and chat because they, um, they want to, and not being like, oh, let's stick to the schedule. You got to time for bed, brush your teeth, like recognizing that they're older too. And it's okay to let go of that schedule. Um, because that routine, like that we've practiced so hard as they're little, like to let, to loosen that a little as they get older. Um, And then like another example, something that I always try to do is to, instead of looking at drive time as a chore, but as a joy, as an opportunity for connecting, because as our kids get older, um, often they're involved in more activities outside of the home. And that can be a lot of time that you're driving them from place to place. But I always love being the one to drive to because 
to the place because then they can talk about maybe what they're expecting, what they're looking forward to, what they're anxious about. Um, but I also love being the one to pick up because then you're getting them while they're fresh and mm-hmm. while they have a lot to tell you and they want to talk about what just happened. And um, we they- always say when we're going, when I'm picking them up from a place and I did this cause my mom did it with me. I'll mm-hmm. always say, okay, so you walked in <laughs> and okay. I-, I walked in and, but it's like, it sets them up to yeah. know mom's going to want to talk with me and hear all about it. So like, especially goodness, if it's like a camp, kind of experience. Like, all right, you got on the bus, right? Who'd you sit with? And then the bus drove there. Let's talk. Cause otherwise if we don't, if, and not to be an annoying way, like you can read if they're done and that's okay. If they don't, if they're not the one who wants to share all the, all the details, but giving them the opportunity and like creating the space for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because they, they need to know we're interested that we Mm -hmm. care. And sometimes even that initial shutdown, um, like give them some space, give them some time and then come back because, um, they need to know that you're interested being interested in what they're interested. Like you said, listen to stories about Legos or whatever. And that practice comes when they're little and, you know, they want to tell you their dream when they woke up in the morning and you're like, Oh my gosh, child's <laughs> dream. Go. <laughs> this is going to be fun. But just being like making a practice of listening, of being mm-hmm. interested, being engaged. Um, that is important because when they're a teen, you know, they still have a lot to share and, um, being like being open to their friends, inviting their friends over saying, and not just having it be like, okay, we'll get you pizza and leave you guys alone. Like, um, having everybody sit around the table and have dinner together, joining in on the games, um, making it a movie night where you hang out with them too. And it's not like you have to insert yourself all the time, but um, inserting yourself occasionally yes. and letting them know that you don't just love them, but you love their friends. You love who they are, who they're growing into. You're interested in um, you're interested in them. Those are all things that, mm. that I do that um, I think it has cultivated connection relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. And occasionally you do those big things. Like if you have a work trip, like bring one kid with you, a team can hang and um, you know, you can let them stay back in the hotel room for a few hours there um, or they can come along. It's really different than taking your seven-year-old <laughs> work trip. <right>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the conversations that you get to have are completely different as they get older yeah. and really are necessary to have some of the one-on-one space mm-hmm. is different, especially as your oldest is getting older, because it's different, the things that they're going to want to talk about than, mm-hmm. than just your littles. And I think you're right. Saying to invite them in. One of the things you're saying in that, that I want to make sure we hear as we kind of wrap things up, but all of that takes margin. Yeah. Inviting them in takes margin space in life because it takes more time yeah. and being the mom to drive takes more margin in your life. Being the mom to have them over for pizza takes more margin, you know, for your money, for your messes, for your evening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's margin that we have to plan on because that's where the relationship and the grace happens. That if we don't have that margin built into our schedule, if we're like, bam, 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 all day long, every day of the week, all the time, 
There's not going to be the margin space for that grace and the relationship that you actually want. And the same is true. I mean, the same, it starts again, it starts at two. I think about when we're, when we were at target, not too long ago, getting shoes and they didn't have the sparkle ones that she wanted. And so she's not two, she's three now, but (laughs) laying face forward, uh, flat on the floor of the shoe area, arms and feet spread out bucket of tears because they didn't have her size in the sparkle shoes. And I thought, you know, if I had somewhere we had to be in five minutes, Mm. I would be so frustrated right now. I did not leave time for these feelings and for this relationship right now, but I don't, I don't have anywhere to be. And so I knelt down and was able to stroke her little face. And we talked through the tears and how can we order shoes and that they will come in the mail and that will be differently special. But again, it requires the margin. And I think that's something that our culture is not good at, but that is very important. Yeah. And I think it's important too, when your kids are little, it's hard to imagine your kids coming in to talk to you at 1030 and you having the energy, emotional or physical or mental, um, because, because you don't, you're not at that space. You're not in that time yet. I think it's just like when you have one kid, it's the hardest thing in the world. And you can't imagine having two and you have two and you're like, Oh, one, I could have done one, two is the most, then you have three and you're like, no, three is the hardest ever. Like each, each moment you're in, that's where you're at and you're, you have the capacity to, to do it then, but then you get to the next stage and you have the capacity to do that because Mm -hmm. God gives it to you. Mm -hmm. He's graced you with the ability to do far more than you ever imagined, but you don't know it till you're in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and also the understanding that seasons don't last forever. So I could make an investment in my son recently where once a week I picked him up at uh, 10 o'clock at night from a program that he was a part of, um, and take him out for a hamburger afterwards because he was starving and we would sit in the in and out booth and talk till 11 o'clock at night, um, and I knew, okay, yes, I'm tired. I'm showing up in my slippers. I'm walking in and out with my slippers and I'm going tea because I'm tired. It's 1030 at night. Um, but I could make that investment in him for those 16 weeks because I knew it wasn't forever, but I knew the investment that I was making and the returns were going to last for forever. So having the perspective of this is a season and, and yes, it might be hard and I might be tired, but it, it's not going to last forever, but those benefits, the returns, the relationships, those do last far beyond the moment. And that sometimes that is just the fuel that I need to get me through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I there earlier in James one, there's a part where it talks about that perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yes. And I think the perseverance of motherhood is that it's that maturing mm-hmm. and it's maturing us in ways that, like you said, there's times when you think, I don't know how I could do that. We don't need to know how Yeah, his grace is sufficient for us in each moment. And his grace is sufficient for our children in yeah. each moment in the struggles and in the joys. Yeah. Greta, this was so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us again. And I was thinking back on while we were talking, I was remembering we did an episode a long time ago. Episode 22 was called opening your hearts to your children's friends. And Mm. it was with my mom and one of her dear friends. And we talk about car rides. We talk about pizza nights. I share a story about 
Um, I remember a guy who I was interested in in high school who would come over and he spent more time talking to my mom with a glass of milk in the kitchen than he did like with me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that God had him in my life so my mom could love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but love yeah, my parents did that very well. It's a great, great episode, I think. And it, it starts when they're little. So I would really encourage anyone go back. Listen to episode 22. We did not talk about Greta's books. So you just need to look them up on yourself for yourself. Look up Adventure Together. Look up 100 Days of Adventure. That's the new one. Pre-order it. If you have children, it really helps um, authors when you pre-order books and you still can. So pre-order 100 Days of Adventure. That's right. That's the correct way of saying the title, right? That is the correct title. And they are really about connecting with your kids Mm -hmm. and giving you... um, ways to do that. So at any age, little to big. So yeah, they, they will be helpful in this endeavor. Yes. I promise you'll be blessed by them. And then also find, I know you're going to want to find Greta again on Instagram. Uh, you can leave reviews for her books. All of those things are, are a blessing, um, for her. And I just so appreciate you being here. Greta, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.